Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace a podcast that highlights the role of women peacebuilders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to their communities. Eavesdrop into their conversations and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and their hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, and Dina Zaman, a Malaysian journalist and co-founder of Iman Research. This is She Talks Peace. Good morning, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying hello from the Maldives. This is an incredible place. It's really a tropical paradise where on one island, the resort occupies the whole island. And you won't believe this, but there are, I think, a hundred of us women who are all peace builders, all coming from conflict-affected areas, and we're just letting our hair down while talking about the issues that matter. And as we're talking, We're looking at the sea and we're trying to imagine swimming and not having serious talks. But that little moment passes and we go back to our conference. And here with me today at this wonderful gathering of women is a dear friend and close colleague from Indonesia. She's the one who thought that we should have our own network. So now we have the Southeast Asia Women Peace Builders. And we've got members from the Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia, Southern Thailand, Singapore, Myanmar. Myanmar. And we're hoping to grow. Uh, Ruby Khalifa is also the Secretary General of AMAN, which is a network that's all over Asia. This is the Asia Muslim Action Network. And I have known Aman and Ruby for, oh my goodness, more than 20 years now, Ruby, <laughs> when you were still very, very young. <laughs> so, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters, say hello to our dear friend, Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Hello. So, hello, Ruby. Hello, Ibu Amina. <laughs> oh, for those of you who are not familiar with Bahasa, Ibu And I think my friend Ruby here is digging it in. <laughs> Ibu is an honorific address that you use for senior, senior citizens. Because citizen. <laughs> it is actually impolite <laughs> just saying your name. <laughs> so Ruby and I, this is the third day of the conference. 
It is the conference for, of the Women's Alliance for Security Leadership, of which uh, Ruby and I are members. And uh, what do you think about the title of the conference, Reclaiming Power and Restoring Sorry. Peace? Do you think that's an apt title, Ruby? Yeah. To me, it's very uh, powerful. Reclaiming, in particular, that realizing that women peace builders have been contributing a lot to the development creating peace and, of course, sustaining peace in our society. Reclaiming means that it is already there, the power of the women actually taking a lot of responsibility in the community. They also been sacrificed mm. uh, their time, mm-hmm. energy, what is the money, right? right? right. <laughs> and the specifically time for the family and all of that to really dedicate their life to the community. When we say reclaiming, meaning that it's not something something that, that thing we never had. We never had. Yeah. It's, it's already there. Yeah. We don't want people to know that this is the power that we need to have recognition, we need to have more trust, we need to have more opportunity, we need to have more support, mm-hmm. of course, in order to continue the struggle, to continue working and empowering the community. And of course, peace is, I think, everyone dream, right? Always. Wherever you are, yes, wherever you, are. You, you always dream peace. No one dream war, mm-hmm. of course. Well, maybe the arms industry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but... Normal people, normal people, yeah, human yes. beings yes. always want to have peaceful yeah. situation where you actually with the family can always be together, uh, uh, spending your time for something more beneficial for the future, education, health, and whatever that you think positive for our community development. But not many people having this kind of situation, right? Yeah, are many countries are struggling. Even just dreaming about peace is not so easy. Not easy at all. Right? I remember in maybe 10 years ago when we had a, a training among youth, Youth for Peace, and then somebody in came Indonesia? from... No, in Indonesia? No, in Bangkok. In Bangkok. And oh. somebody from Palestine. Mm-hmm. And she or and he said that, how come we imagining peace? Mm. Then we were you know, born that we just have like that. Yeah, yeah. War every day. Yeah, that's what they grew up with. How can we imagine it? But if you want to talk about war, I can tell the detail how this actually mm. impacted to mm. each of us. Mm-hmm. But peace is something that out of my imagination. Yeah, it's a different reality. Yeah. But for us, maybe we have several phases in our country that we enjoying peace, but sometimes a bit conflict and all yeah. of that. But still, we have imagination yeah. on that. But this is the thing, Ruby, uh, when we're talking about reclaiming mm. power, women mm. reclaiming power. Here we are in this conference in wonderful sure. Maldives. Mm. There are six of us, I think, from Southeast Asia. Yeah. And we grew up knowing that women did have mm. and still have power. Yeah. But here we are with our sisters from the Middle East and North Africa. And for generations, yeah. they have grown up not you know, being taught that they had power. Yeah. So what do you think it is that we from Southeast Asia can share with our sisters in the Middle East and North Africa who are struggling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the basic skills that peace builders should have is 
listening. Mm. This is very much why because we need to listen others and mm. we need to know that we are diverse. We coming from different contexts and in each every struggle that we pass or we are still doing it, there is always hope and also an opportunity or even we did some creative work and innovation because we know our community and how to deal with the community. And with each of the lessons that we have in each context, you know, Southeast Asia has their own lesson how dealing with a conflict and Middle East and wherever you are. So it's need to have this kind of forum in order to listen to each other. I think this is very, very important skill. Good, yeah. And also expensive in terms of time, right? Mm. We have to mm. sacrifice everything yeah. to come here. So when we come here, we need to really listen. What we want from Southeast Asia to, you know, other uh, region learn is about how we actually quite stable in terms of the region where diversities are there. Yes, right? collaboration. Collaboration, right? of yeah. course. Of course, yes. yes. And collaboration in the sense of how we actually can really work together, learning and applying, you know, maybe good thing from Southeast Asia that we can replicate in different region and then we continuing working there and adapting yeah. it of course hold that thought Ruby while you were on the area mm-hmm. of collaboration maybe now is the time for you to tell us what Kupi is all about because this is an interesting collaboration where you mm-hmm. and other women mm-hmm. are actually able to get the cooperation of our Muslim religious leaders. So tell is. us about Kupi. Yeah, this is the, that I personally want to bring to the forum that learning from how Indonesia women ulama started, you know, to to bring different actors and build a strong collaboration in promoting gender equality from the perspective of Islam, I want to say that there is always a hope and opportunity working with the religious leaders. And Indonesia did it. And it is, of course, the ulama has a different nature of work, right? Yes. But the ulama has also a vision on mm-hmm. how to build a better ummah. With that, actually, ulama need our help. As civil society, mm-hmm. we are very good in mm. in strategizing, That's right? right. Yeah, but we don't approach. have the influence. Yes, of yeah. course. <laughs> Ulama has influence. Yes. That is the very potential that we should not neglect yes. this. Yes. And we should admit to ourselves that mm-hmm. we don't have influence as big as them. That's right. But we have a capacity how we actually can build a better strategy so let the ulama mm-hmm. really leading us mm-hmm. but we can actually helping and facilitating and you know meeting with the different actors i think indonesia did very good in terms of the building the movement among indonesia women ulama and we are successful in doing advocacy increasing age marriage from 16 to 19 we are also successful in passing the bill on sexual violence crime mm. all because one contribution coming from women ulama that they explaining to our leaders how important it is and how it is compatible with islam so i want sisters here in the forum learn about it and yes. not give up Absolutely, with the religious leaders because yeah. they are human beings. Yeah. We just need to have strategic way how mm. to approach them and using different narrative of 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, okay. So, <laughs> so tell us one strategic way mm-hmm. that made the ulama listen to you and say, okay, Ruby, we are going to work with you on Kupi. How did you get them? Mm-hmm. to dialogue with you and start being engaged with Kupi. Yeah. So, did you feed them good food? <laughs> this I actually we are friends, yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> we actually friends. Mm. And and for all of you who know Indonesia, we have Islamic boarding school, right? We yeah, have Pesantren. Pesantren. Mm. We have Nadatul Ulama, mm-hmm. we have Muhammadiyah. Mm-hmm. All the religious leaders are active in religious institution mm-hmm. they are also active in the community they are also active in you know NGO works right. and and they are active in teaching university yes. they are reachable yes and yes. they also gain a lot of I mean good education mm. a doctoral master and all of that so our ulama basically not they are not people they isolated from the community yes. they are reachable because of that so we reach them easily mm-hmm. through university professor right, for example right. through working together in strengthening leadership in the pesantren for mm-hmm. example or creating a forum for the young people so that is a lot of way we can work with the ulama and again we just need to talk there more extremely mm-hmm, fundamentalist mm-hmm. Yeah. about women. I think the best way to do actually bring them to Indonesia. I think so too. Because <laughs> if it is talking, yes. it's very difficult to imagine. Yes, this is right. out of the imagination. That's right. Yeah. So the best way to do is bring them both the CSO and the ulama, and the ulama come to Indonesia and see how we're actually doing it and visit each institution that where ulama are exist and how the ulama actually are doing a good work for the community. There is no distance yes. from religion and the social work. That's right. Because religion should answer the social right. the situation, the yeah. reality. Yeah. So then bring them and create a discussion among ulama. So sharing. Of course, we are having different contexts. They're having different contexts, but we actually referring the same Text, mm. Quran mm-hmm. and Hadith. Exactly. It's, it's about our perspective, how to yes. read the text and yes. contextualize with current situation. Right. So I hope this kind of approach, yeah, exchange, can really create uh, imagination how possible to be applied in Middle East, for example. Mm. Because I think during uh, we, we did yeah. yes. But Ruby, tell me, mm. uh, yesterday you 
were a resource person in one of the workshops, yeah. and you talked about gender and violent extremism. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to say here? That uh, women are being victimized mm-hmm. or that women are now also mm-hmm. perpetrators in mm-hmm. terrorist activities? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the difference when we talk about gender in the context of extremism, we need to remember that the gender is not cannot be seen as a binary, mm. you know, black and white. Mm. Mm-hmm. So meaning that we cannot say that the woman is a victim mm-hmm. and the man is a perpetrator is no longer applicable in the context of extremism. Mm-hmm. When social media play very vital role in propaganda, recruitment and all of that, are the women actually behind all of this? Because mm-hmm. they're creating very good content in the social media, they are very active in ideological chatting and all of that. They are doing recruitment, financing and all of that. Why they do that? Because social media. I'm not blaming social media, but it is about how we smart using social media. In the case of Indonesia, the women are comfortable using social media because they don't need to be visible, right? And because you don't need to be visible, you can using fake they can, name. They can do anything, they can and say you, anything. You, you can just join with any group right. in on a chat room where other people never realize that you are women. Then Very. you're absorbing a lot of information yeah. where before actually very exclusive to women, but now it's very open. Very With dangerous. That, yeah, very dangerous. Be- mm. The women, they mm-hmm. are militant, more than militant. M- many people believing on that, including yeah. the detachment 88 of mm. uh, the mm-hmm. police in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the shifting trend of terrorism in Indonesia from backyard to dining room. I'm mm-hmm. using metaphor mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Professor Ruhaini. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that before to be very hidden, illegal, and only husband know mm-hmm. that, but now it's really located in the middle of the house where women and children are actually engaging actively. Mm, because, because the mother has accepted yes, it. And, oh my and goodness. The way, and, and the men has mm. a different thinking. They no longer segregate, uh, which used to be like that. The women jihad is in the house, taking their family, community, and mm-hmm. all of that. And men go do the battle. But now they're realizing that the more opportunity to be successful in mm-hmm. doing terrorism are women. Because they look innocent, right? Mm-hmm. And then they, nobody thinks that, ah, this is a very innocent woman and bringing in with carrying the children and then suddenly bombing like mm-hmm. that. And because of that, so more and more, you know, idea how to use the women and the entire of the family. Mm. It is also because they're shifting the discourse on going to the heaven together. Mm-hmm. Because when men die because of jihad, then a lot of stigma and also discrimination against the wife. Why is that? Why is that? Because people also fear. Oh, that they're also radicals. Yeah, people ah, fear. Okay. And then people blame mm-hmm. to the family mm-hmm. because they they betray the country mm-hmm. and then they make the chaotic situation, the public fear, panic mm-hmm. and all of that. So because of that, after bombing normally, they're just doing like discrimination and they even some of them actually expel from their home. Which pushes them more into, more violent, into extremism. violent extremism. So Ruby, you... Uh, you sort of agree with our friend, Nurhuda Ismail, when he came up with that paper 
Mm-hmm. And he talked about how about gender in violent extremism, and he was noticing uh-huh. that many times it's actually the women who are urging their sons mm-hmm. to be violent extremists because it shows their it's manliness. True. It is true. It is very true. So because women very influential, yeah. I think almost all children they are approached mm-hmm. by the mother, of course, mm-hmm. yeah. because mother and, and, and children. Mother has a full authority yes. over the children. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And according to the research coming from the students from Monash University, mm-hmm. so actually the mother doing better in terms of radicalization to the children, mm-hmm. the idealization, mm-hmm. uh, not the father. So yes, because yes, the mother yes. showing every day, yeah. you know, perception, behavior, and attitude toward others, and so because of that, so so actually the children following yes. uh, the mother uh, so much because she's the one teaching so every day. She's the one teaching, yeah, every day. So because of that, so we need to see the gender in mm-hmm. the intersectional. Mm-hmm. We don't need. We we, we cannot. See, gender is a binary opposition anymore because ISIS is mm-hmm. using women very, very good. Yeah, and yeah. we should know that when the women actually engage, it creates a different process in mm. terms of radicalization, and result, of course, is much hundredfold, uh, massive destruction mm. in terms of mentally and also physically because. They able to create more terror. Yeah. And what did our sisters from the Middle East and Africa, mm-hmm. who were at your workshop, what did they have to say? What were their observations? The they, same is happening. Mm, the observation. Yeah. Okay. The workshop was actually one is about that. Number two is about how ulama responding uh, mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. positive narrative. Mm-hmm. Because when okay, some people confuse about. Gender in the context of normal, mm-hmm. gender in the context of the extremism. Mm. Actually, not so much different because extremist group they do propaganda on child marriage. That's true. Polygamy, That is true. Yes. Domestication. Yes. So it's yeah. almost the same, but the goal may be different. So then, because they propaganda using gender issue, mm-hmm. the women ulama need to stand up and using gender issue. Mm-hmm. But the, interestingly, what Kupi did is actually introducing the new methodology that passes to the women experience and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So the the tafsir or interpretation should be based from the women experience and knowledge. Then after that, the principle of ma'ruf or righteous or kindness, and then looking at Islamic text. I I don't say that Islamic text. Is the last known, but mm-hmm. is part of the combination when we actually producing tafsir. Because of that, so then I want the participant yesterday learning why we are successful in doing counter narrative, yes, and positive yeah. narrative. Because the methodology, if you do counter narrative or positive narrative without having clear methodology, right, then you can like moving around, yeah. And it's not effective. So and, therefore, and you have your alliances with the ulama. Therefore, when I mm. explaining each of the mm. component of methodology, mm-hmm. they got it. Yeah, why yeah. ulama yeah. in Indonesia are successful? Mm-hmm. Because what they need, they already have engine to produce the exactly. positive narrative. For example, exactly. the extremist group and the fundamentalist group they propaganda on child marriage and using the story of Aisha. Aisha, right? 
with the, the prophet okay why yeah. not yeah. polygamy is acceptable because the prophet married nine mm. years old girl or 12 years mm. girl and so the ulama said that no monogamy is the sunnah that's because, right right that's, yeah that is a preference Be, because of the prophet yes. living with the monogamy how can you forget Right. The prophet also used to live with Hadijah only. Yeah, only, only with his, his first wife. People forget. Yes. Oh, preventing child marriage is the Islamic way to do. Because by preventing child marriage, you're actually creating better ummah. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Exactly. And you have a lot of evidence on supporting that argumentation. And Ruby, mm-hmm. sometimes they never uh, take in the changes in longevity. Mm-hmm. Like during the days of the Prophet, peace be upon him, mm-hmm. the average age yeah. it was what? 35, 40 years old? So if you were 15 years old, you were already <laughs> ready yeah. to give birth. You Medical, had so many yeah. threats on your life, on yeah. health. Childbearing, that doesn't happen now. Mm. What Different age? context. What's the average age now yeah, of a uh, human? What, 70, 60 maybe? Yeah. So More now, know? it's like it's exactly. graduate from, you know. So they forget to degree. mention that very little uh, information. True. But it's really good that you have got yeah, the so ulama I, I talking love, about that. I actually love that yesterday discussion because mm. people got what the point. And oh, good. the important thing and mm. why it is difficult to influence ulama in mm-hmm. other countries. Because the ulama only study religion. Mm. They don't study human rights. They don't study yeah. other no knowledge. No context. Exactly. So there is kind of difficult to bring the shahidah right, into right. the reality. Without looking at the context. Exactly. And we are required to look at context, yeah. right? Yeah. And that is the point that uh, Muzarat from mm-hmm. Pakistan said. Ruby, what makes difference is your mm-hmm. ulama study the secular mm-hmm. knowledge too. They study mm-hmm. human rights, women mm-hmm. rights, study about... So many knowledge, mm-hmm. so that make them actually very much knowledgeable yes. in looking at the situation, so they can use the comprehensive perspective in looking at what happened on the ground. So our ulama is just like only study about religion. Mm. So I think education for the ulama is very important. it's very open. We yeah. have to open up their yeah their That's minds, meaning the, the training, the yes. soft course exactly. for them is important. But what gives me encouragement is that uh, Al-Azhar University, mm-hmm. which is the center of knowledge mm-hmm. for many mm-hmm. of the Sunni Muslims, have really started opening up again mm-hmm. the conversation about mm-hmm. interpretation. Mm-hmm. And for our dear listeners, uh, that's what you call the process of ijtihad, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
reason, argumentations, and I know that there are many discussions happening mm-hmm. on the issue of child marriage, mm-hmm. on on the issue, for instance, of GMOs. GMOs yeah. So they have this, and it would be great if mm-hmm. you could bring in the Al Azhar scholars and the Muhammadiyah and Nadlatul mm-hmm. Ulama scholars, mm-hmm. and let's really look at the context mm-hmm. on which. All of these ulamas are trying to uh, interpret Sharia mm-hmm. because sure. it gets really crazy yeah. when they say, for instance, that Islam allows girl of twelve to be married mm-hmm. if her guardian agrees. Mm-hmm. Because Al Azhar has already come up with a fact yeah, saying Al-Azhar. no. Yes, Saudi Arabia yeah. came up with executive order saying yeah. no. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> This, what's going because on? Because the reality. Yes. Because they saw the reality and yeah. the, the real impact when girl married at mm. a very early age. So meaning they stop opportunity to right. grow and to right. you know uh, to change their career and even mm-hmm. even I think like uh, we will have very low standard of mm-hmm. quality mm-hmm. when we allow mm-hmm. child marriage growing in right. our society right. because our ummah need to you know have a better perspective and better economical yeah, mm-hmm. situation and that's need to be the, the education need to be completed mm-hmm. not only that opportunity to work and to contribute to community or whatever uh, creating the innovative and creative mm. you know, uh, way how to help our community uh, better so we need more time for the girls uh, doing that because marriage is not easy right Not easy at all. Even even for us who are mm. adults, how can we let get our, married? How can we let our girl? How can you tell Starting to think complicated things. It's, it's, it's criminal, it's and I'm very glad that Saudi Arabia has has seen that. Mm-hmm. Al Azhar has seen that. Uh, even Malaysia mm. and the their Islamic Council. Yeah. Have already come up with the fatwa. Indonesia no, has it in Indonesia the law. Indonesia also has in the law. Yeah. Recently, we're very happy actually. Yeah. Our marriage law revised mm-hmm. and increased 19 years old because we thought that age so more mature mm. and they already can think more stable. Though we all actually encourage marriage over 20. Yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. to our listeners, before they start thinking that only Islam has this kind of a problem, mm-hmm. we have to remind that in the United States, for instance, there are mm-hmm. so many loopholes mm-hmm. in the federal law mm-hmm. that allows cults and yes. certain religious sects yes. to have young girls marry old men. No, it's not. It's not happening it's, in the Muslim society. It's not just it's the Muslim all over, society. All yeah. over the world. It's nothing to do with religion. It's Something just reflect to your to your own community mm. and see what happening, and it's there. And you just need to be very uh, conscious that this is a serious problem, and not only activists have to be care about it, and yeah. everybody need to be really uh, seriously address this issue, so then we can have a better yeah. society in the future. So in in, in closing, can I stop Ruby? Can I stop Ruby? Oh look, Ruby, Mira is here. Mira Kusumarini is with us in beautiful Maldives at this conference on reclaiming power, restoring peace. And Mira just happens to be also an Indonesian, founder and director of the Empatiku Foundation. 
And she and I have been seeing each other, collaborating on women, violent extremism, and peace building. So hello, Mira. Say hi to our listeners. Hello, Amina. Hello, everyone. It's very nice meeting you on this platform. You know, we've been having a very fascinating conversation, Ruby and I, about what it means. How apt is this title, Reclaiming Power and Restoring Peace? So after three days, Mira, what's your takeaway? What do you think about this? Can women from Southeast Asia and Middle East, North Africa, can we really reclaim power and help restore peace? Well, yes, of course. This is the beauty of the power of women and the power of the network, the collective action, the collective power. So it is really indeed we do need this power to reclaim in our society. Here we sense that we have, each of us has a power within ourselves. But out there, we should also keep that spirit that we are not alone. We we are together. Wherever we are, that's the collective power we need to sustain. Yes, Ruby and I were thinking the same. In fact, I was asking Ruby about her work with the religious leaders mm. and how collaboration mm. is going to get you where you want to go. Their influence, your strategic intervention, fantastic combination. But Mira, you're going to be resource person in a workshop this morning, coming very soon. Tell us about this workshop. Yes, it is uh, really an initiative that has been untapped. The power of women on the ground and to the fact that they are not yet having the space to lead. So we are building now, building their resilient capacity. How women and local leaders are able to detect early warning signs and treat these early cases so that we don't see these cases at the stage where the police intervene as a criminal act. So this is very important that we prevent and preempt any cases to go further as a more difficult and criminal act. Thanks, Mira. I would so love to have this conversation further with you, but I think your audience has started to enter the room and it's going to be impossible to have a personal conversation with Mira. But uh, in parting, I yeah. uh, have um, any message to share with our listeners as we are having serious conversations in this tropical paradise called Maldives? Yeah. Yes, of course. We would love to continue the work. I dream that this simple idea in the hands of these powerful ladies and women in a collective action could contribute to something for our society. As they say in our countries here, inshallah, we're hopeful that we can reclaim the power that we once mm -hmm. had and help restore peace. Yes. How about you, Ruby? Any parting words for our listeners? Yeah, I think we need to dare to imagine mm. that change is possible. Thank you, Ruby, and thank you, Mira. Oh, the women are entering the conference room. Already. Our African sisters are so colorful with their national attires. Sarah just sat down in a beautiful yellow dress, not Sri Lankan dress, but beautiful anyway. And our sisters from Pakistan are here as well in their beautiful attires. We've got a little market going on. 
So it's time for me to go shopping, dear listeners. See you soon. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying goodbye, but not from the Philippines, but from wonderful Maldives. Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.